Well, let's get stuck into this this morning because uh, we, we feel that it's important to stop, to, uh, to ask the question, why? Why am I doing this and what am I doing? Because the why always determines the how and the how long. All right, and at the start of the year, I asked you this question, what is, your, what is your word for this year? And thank you so much for participating in this. This was early January for those who have been away and joining us. What's your one word for you? This will help direct and guide you in this next 12 months. We've had some interaction via social media and people have been coming up to me and other staff members sharing with us your one word. Thank you so much. So here is my reminder. I promised you that I would remind you. How are you going with that word? Okay, kind of, kind of. Thank you. I get the, the, the head nods. Thanks so much. But this is your reminder to continue working that through and asking God, seeking God about your one word that will help guide and direct you over this next 12 months. It's incredible when we focus on that one thing, how big of an impact that it has. And so these next two weeks, I've already explained to you before, we're going to look at well, what is church? And why do we do it? We're reminding ourselves of what it's all about and why it matters. And so we've entitled this next two Sundays that this is us. Have you got it yet? That this is us. Let's open the Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, feel free, or your smart devices, feel free. It's going to be on the screen for those of us who don't. And by the way, we welcome those this morning who are participating online, listening via podcast, wherever you are from around the world. It's great that you're beaming in live here to Launceston, Tasmania, the greatest city on earth. Yeah, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Let's open the Word of God this morning. Let's, let's, let's have a read. It says this, that God is the one. God, Can we read this together, in fact? Is that okay? If you're able to read this with me. Here we go. God is the one who made all things, and all things are for His glory. He wanted to have many children share His glory. All things, all things for his glory, many children sharing in his glory. And as the church, as a, Christian, as a Christian body of believers, this is where we start. This is the foundation and where we build from here. Because God the creator, that's who we believe as people who follow Jesus. That we serve a creator God. He created us, God the creator, that he wanted a family to love and he wanted a family to share his glory. Let's keep reading just for a moment. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, where it says this. Feel free. Let's read this together. Is that okay? Here we go. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. I like that little last little bit. He did this because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted a family. He wanted to adopt you. He loved you so much. And so, the whole reason for everything, that everything exists, is that God wanted a family. And he wants that family to be with him forever. It's the family that will live on and on and on. But what's that family called, by the way? It's called the church. The church. 
That's what the family's called, and it's God's idea. So we ask the question this morning, well, what is the church? Because often, do we not? We often refer to the church as like a it's a building, it's something we are going to, it's a location, or it's something that we attend, and by the way, technically, it's a little bit of a wrong statement, going to church. It's not something that we attend, remember what we just said a moment ago? Church is not something we attend, it's a family that we build but we belong to. A more accurate, probably, statement, if you were saying something along the lines of that, is that I'm going to go to, I'm going to a worship service. So it's not an event, even though we have, it has events. It is the family of God. And so the church isn't here for us, that we are the church, yeah? And we exist for and are here for the world in which we live. Is that clear? Okay, let us move on because think about it for a moment. Where else can people go to learn the value of every single human life made in God's image as we think about this idea of the church? The offer of the forgiveness of sin, the promise of a resurrection and God's ultimate purpose. By the way, by the way, it is the most successful human movement of all time. The church of God, I mean. It's the largest organization on the planet. Around about 2.3 billion believers. Nothing on this planet comes close. It's, It's larger than the populations of China, the US, and Europe combined. Nothing is as big as the movement of God, and it goes on into eternity. And it's a family that God has created and invites people into. So, let me start by taking us back to the first conversation in history about the church. And most people, in fact, don't actually realize where this idea has come from. Well, we're going to go there this morning. Is that all right? Because let's open the Word to Matthew chapter 16. This is our key text for this morning, and I'm going to kind of um, frame uh, my message around this key text. Check this out. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Well, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus replied. Blessed are you. Press pause there for a moment. It's not unusual for a rabbi to bless one of his students, for getting the answer correct. <laughs> says this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome my church. Jesus did not say, I will build a government, 
Jesus did not even say, I will build a nation, even though the nations are a part of his purpose and plan. Jesus did not say, I will build a business. What did Jesus say? I will build my church. And most scholars would in fact say and believe that this last verse would probably be the most discussed verse in the most discussed paragraph in the gospel according to Matthew. This particular passage, this particular verse where Jesus says, I will build my church. And of course, the disciples are listening to this and this... (laughs) Their first initial response to Jesus was kind of scratches on the head. Um, <laughs> um what's that? <laughs> what, what did you just say? What, what, is, what is a church? This is the first time we see this word. Not just in the Bible, by the way, but in all of human history. No religious leader has ever said anything quite like this. You think about it. Moses didn't say, I will build my synagogue. The Buddha didn't say, I will build my temple. Muhammad did not say, I will build my mosque. And so this is different. What Jesus is saying here in front of his disciples is significant. This is world-changing, history-making stuff. As Jesus says, I will build my church, this is what he's saying, that he's going to build an all-inclusive community of what? Of faith, of hope, and of love that wouldn't just tolerate, but would embrace every gender, every nationality, every language, Every culture, come on, am I starting to hear some amens here this morning? Every status, a community that would have at its mission, not the enriching of its own members, but their sacrificing of themselves for the enrichment of the people who are on the outside to bring the knowledge of God to those who have no understanding. And the justice of God to every oppressive situation, and the generosity of God to every need, and the forgiveness of God even to those, yes, even to those, yes, even to those who persecute the church. And they did it in absolute, awe-inspiring, servant-hearted humility. And not only, by the way, had nothing quite like this had ever been in existence before, but nothing like this had ever been thought of before. Something, yes, we're talking about Israel before, something, yes, was kind of developing and being formed, and they had their ups and downs. But this was growing, and this was becoming more significant And this was going to spread from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. And so here's the challenge. Let's just say, just for a moment, have a think about this. You, being the penniless carpenter, 2,000 years ago, your task is to create a movement that would live for thousands of years. 
that would launch more hospitals, more research universities, more relief organizations, and inspire more art than anything in human history that would spread to every continent, to every culture, that would attract about two and a half billion followers and not only still exist, but by growing, be growing 2,000 years later. What would you do? What would you do? What would your first step be with that kind of vision and that kind of mission? Well, Jesus the carpenter, in fact, whatever you think of him, this is exactly what he did. How did he do it? We taught in Scripture that he loved, yeah? That he taught, that he healed, and ultimately he died an unforgettable death upon that cross. And they say that he was, by the way, resurrected. And so this passage, this passage is the first time that the disciples get a glimpse of just how big Jesus is. What I'm talking about here is his identity. What's his identity? That he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, he is the Son of the living God. They're getting a glimpse of that, but now they're also getting a glimpse of just how big this project is going to be on earth. What's his project? His project is that I will build my Church, the church, that's it. That's the whole thing. Jesus is putting all his eggs in the one church basket, and he's going to do that through them, through his disciples, through those who follow him. And by the way, I would suggest, I'd probably think that their heads are probably spinning in this moment. Why? Because they did not sign up for this. They did not sign up for the church building business. They signed up for the rabbi following business. What does that mean? Well, they would learn the Torah. They would follow the rules. They would get a wife. They would have a nice family. And they would live a nice life. But build something that had never, ever been thought of? That sounds like a little bit of sacrifice to me, does it not? That sounds like a whole lot of sacrifice of time, energy, resources, potentially being laughed at. Oh, and by the way, getting persecuted, that would mean traveling a little bit, going around the world, maybe possibly going to jail and end up being martyred. Woohoo! Sign me up! <laughs> Welcome to church, by the way, <laughs> if you're here for the first time. But here's the thing as the disciples hear this, and they're starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together in Jesus, the Messiah, Son of God, Christ, uh, uh, resurrection, death, it's just, this is, this is the chance of a lifetime. This is not a part of my notes, but I want to say this. As I look around here today, as I look around, I see people here gathered here today that you are giving yourselves to this in incredible ways, and you may not feel noticed, but I want you to know you are, and you matter, not just to me, not just to the elders, but you matter to him, and I love, I love, this is not one of my notes, I love how you serve an audience of one. Yeah. Yeah. Woo, now where was I? <laughs> this is a chance of a lifetime. This is worth 
This is worth living for, not just that, that this is worth dying for. That this made catching fish or collecting taxes or living to make money or gain security or make a name for myself look awfully small. Let's, ask, let's answer a few questions about the church for a moment, if we could. Maybe similar questions that you and I have to the same that the disciples had. Let's go. What's the first question is this? Here we go. Who does the church belong to? I think it's pretty easy. Jesus says, I am going to build my church. He did not say Peter's church. He did not say Andrew's church. And he certainly did not say Steve's church and all God's... No, we won't go there. But we are, we are, we are Jesus' church. We love him, we study him, we follow him, and we point others to him to help find and follow Jesus. Who does the church belong to? Belongs to Jesus. Let's go to the next question. What's the next question? Who's going, who's going to build Jesus' church? Once again, guess what? Jesus says, I will build my church. Who's building his church? Jesus. Yes, you and I get to help build what he said he would build. But Jesus says, I will build my church. If you've ever been around churches long enough, have you ever noticed just how much church, how, how messed up churches can get? The hurt, the pain, the dysfunction, the needy, and that's just the pastor. <laughs> Let's go to the next question. Please. How quickly, yes. How does the church keep going? Well, Jesus is building it, and it often keeps going in unseen places. It often keeps going at the margins, through the poor in spirit, through those that mourn, through the uneducated and educated, through an unpaid volunteer. Oh. <clears throat> Through a small gathering of people who are selflessly praying. Through a widow whose significant offering is in reality, in God's eyes, the biggest gift of all. Through people like you, Jesus is building his church. Let's give him the praise this morning. Mom, let's answer the next question. Let's answer the next question. How powerful is the church going to be? And I say this in, in all, all Jesus. Let's, let's go to Jesus. Jesus is pretty confident about this. It's going to be, and it is, extremely, an extremely powerful source on earth because Jesus, he doesn't say when the forces of hell are unleashed, the gates of the church will be able to keep hell out. What Jesus says is when the forces of the church are unleashed, the gates of hell will not be able to keep the church out. What he's saying is that the church is on the move with forces the likes of which the world has not seen, the forces of love. We've had testimonies this week from people within our own building site here that don't do life in a faith community, but were so blessed and touched as they see us interact and commune together. I've gone off track by love, by mercy, by grace, by compassion with forgiveness and generosity and in truth and humility, have been unleashed, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And now that they know what this Jesus Church project is, kind of like they're probably stepping back, count me in, count me in, Come, count me in, I'm in on this, I have to be, let's go to the next question. What would this church 
be like that no one had ever thought of. Well, what does Jesus do? Jesus goes about modeling what this church is going to be like. He goes on about, he, he goes about it by teaching and modeling. And I've got three great truths that I'm going to bring this plane into a landing here this morning with. Three great truths that how he goes about building this worldwide movement. The first great truth that he modeled and taught is this, is that everybody is welcome. Because of Jesus, everybody is welcome. You see, in Jesus' day, it was commonly thought that certain people would be welcome into the temple, welcome to come before God, but others, not so much. If there is one characteristic that Jesus would go about living that shocked the world of his day is that he was radically inclusive, that he would love, embrace, and welcome the Jews, the Gentiles, the Samaritans, the lepers, the beggars, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the demon-possessed, the lonely, the poor, and the list goes on. So famous for this, Jesus himself was highly, heavily criticized that they in fact tried to trap him, that this man, this man, he welcomed sinners, and he eats with them. And basically, it pretty much got him killed. We read in the gospel according to Luke, the last recorded conversation before Jesus died, he could not help himself. Here he was alongside not another follower, but alongside a criminal, a thief who was hanging upon the cross, dying. In his last breath, he cries out to Jesus to remember me. What is Jesus? He can't help himself. He says, of course. You're in. You will be with me. He could not help himself. And after he died, check this out, the strangest thing happened in this tiny little community because the ancient world generally certainly had no regard for slaves, had no regard for the poor. But this odd little community called the church, they remembered how their founder, Jesus, took a basin of water. So their memories are going back. How did he teach us? How did he model to us? And when Jesus took that basin of water and washed his disciples' feet as though he were a slave. And he gets up and he says, now you go and do the same. They remembered that. Things come flooding back to them. That Jesus once told the rich young ruler to go and sell everything and give to who? Give to the poor, those who are without. They remember that slaves and the poor, the downtrodden, those in society that the community drifts away from, that these are the type of people that matter to Jesus and to the kingdom of God. You see, there was a day, there was a day where a group of people loved God so much that they loved others so much, and they did this together. Oh, there we go, isn't it? How about that? Jesus, others, together. So much, so much they did this, that miracles actually happened. And one of the leaders said, 
Now there is neither um, a Jew nor, nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. So who's welcome? Everybody. Everybody is welcome. The poor, the rich, the black, the white, the young, the old, the atheist, the agnostic, likable, unlikable. So the skeptic. The doubter, the depressed, the happy, the addict, the married, the single, the divorced, those who have it all together, those who are falling apart because Jesus said he was going to build his church and his place is a place where everybody is welcome and everybody is needed. That's the movement that he started and that's the first truth this morning. Let's move on to the second truth that he proclaimed and he modeled that in God's eyes, in God's eyes, nobody is perfect. Everybody's welcome. But nobody is perfect. You see, if we're honest, we have a way of dividing people up, don't we? The good guys, the bad guys, the insiders, the outsiders. Yet Jesus was famous for insisting that the true goodness is not a matter of outward appearance, but of a transformed heart. Why are we going for a thousand stories of hope and transformation? This is why. It's got nothing to do with external appearance. It's got to do with a transformed heart. And Jesus, of course, he would approach the religious leaders of the day and said, on the outside, yeah, you appear to be righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And in this new community, in this new community, the, the community that Jesus was building, he would say, would suggest that there's no hiding in this community. There's no pretending. There's no impressing. You do not need to clean yourself to come up to come here. I want you to know that. You come here just as you are. Guess what? Jesus cleans you up. He's cleaned us up and he's still cleaning some of us up. But who's messed up? I want to ask you this the question this morning. Who has messed up? Who's got ego problems? Who's got family problems? Who's got emotional problems? Who's got financial problems? Who's got pride problems? Who has arrived? Who doesn't have any secrets? Who has it all together? Who is strong? Who is normal? Who is secure? who is self-sufficient, guess what? Nobody is. Spiritually and morally, we are all on the same boat to support that via Scripture that we are all like sheep who have gone astray, who have gone our own separate way. You see, humanity's fate, apart from, apart from the grace of God expressed through Jesus, is brokenness, fallenness, inadequacy, sin, guilt, judgment, death, and even hell. Yes, we are lost without Jesus. But guess what? Everybody is welcome, but nobody is Perfect. The third great truth this morning that Jesus modeled, I'm going to finish on this, and it's this, and this is the good one, that anything, because of Jesus, because of what he fulfilled on the cross, because of what he said in Scripture, is that anything, anything, and some of you need to hear this this morning, whatever you're going through, that anything is possible. Who believes that this morning? Amen? Some of you need to speak it over your life, proclaim it, and believe it in Jesus' name, that talking to his disciples one time about how hard it is for rich people to be saved. You might remember that answer where he says, it's easier for a camel 
to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples kind of take that step back. They're a little bit stunned by this statement because they're kind of thinking, well, if rich people, if rich people can't be saved, who can? And this is Jesus' reply. With, with a man, with humans, it's impossible, but not with God. Anything, all things are possible, he says. And don't we start? To, we see this at the start of the church, right? We see this when, when Jesus starts his church. Who does he build his church upon? In the, in the text, he, t- he talks about Simon Peter, right? He talks about Simon Peter and the disciples of this. They kind of they put their coffees down. They're a little bit shocked. They're splattering everywhere. They're a little bit shocked about this, that on, on Simon Peter, I am going to build my church. He is the rock. Oh, you mean, the kind of their, their statements here, you mean Peter, Peter, who leapt out of the boat and sank in the water because of his lack of faith? You mean Peter, to whom Jesus said, get behind me, Satan? You mean Peter, who couldn't stay awake and pray with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion? <laughs> you mean Peter, who bragged that if everybody else denies you, Jesus, I will not deny you, and then denied him the three times before the sun came up. You know the stories? You mean Peter, who leapt to Jesus' defense by grabbing the soldier's ear, cutting off the soldier's ear, and Jesus had to patch it up. You mean Peter? You mean Peter? You're going to build the church on this rock, Peter? Here's the deal. Anything, 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 anything is possible. Anything is possible. And, he be, and the Holy Spirit comes, of course, and some of us know the story where Peter stands up and he preaches faithfully. And the Holy Spirit comes and thousands of people come to follow Jesus. You see, all things are possible. And of course, we read story after story, miracle after miracle. Zacchaeus is one of those, the greedy tax collector. He becomes the poster boy of generosity. The greatest enemy of the church, Saul, became Paul, of course, the greatest champion. And the church goes on and on and on throughout history. And then one day, and then one day, the year was 1800. And 84, when a handful of people from this community got together and they said, what if we started a new community, a community like this that Jesus is describing right here in Launceston? Guess what? They did. And guess what? They prayed. And guess what? And they gave and they served and they loved. And after 136 years, we are that church and it is our turn. If this is your church, I'm asking you the following things to prayerfully consider. First of all, is to pray. Pray for not just our church, but for the church of this city, for this church, for the church of this state, for the church of this nation, because we believe it's a weapon that we can fight with that he's given to us. The second thing I'm asking you to do is to join a smaller community that Jesus uh, embodied, um, uh, gave us that example of that he joined, that connect group, a, a course or a, a short-term mission trip to roll up your sleeves and to serve because we need you. People need the gifts that God has given you to serve, not just us, but that community, but also to trust God, to be generous with your finances, to work toward tithing if you aren't already a tither, because you need to know that you cannot outgive God. God knows there is more to be done. There is so much brokenness. There is so much dysfunction and pain and hopelessness. And I'm asking you in the anything is possible spirit of Jesus, because he is still building his church. It's his church. He is the one who thought it 
up. He created it. He authorized it. He, he resourced it when it had nothing. He launched it when there was no idea of it. He continues to be the head of it no matter how badly we mess it up. And he has no intention of letting it go until he fulfills the purpose for which he created it for. And no matter what problem it, problems it faces, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yes, others have come before us. Others will also come after us. But this is our day. This is our moment. This is us where everybody is welcome. Nobody is perfect. And anything is possible in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And as we bow.